Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris and this week I'm looking for a book to help me our two <laughs> high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Nick, I brought a book this week. It's called Lady Chatterley's Lover. And Nick, it's, it's a little bit sexy. I brought kind of oh. a sexy book. Classic Joe. <laughs> Uh, always brings those sexy books that's my brother-in-law a large percentage of them uh good morning nick good afternoon joe good morning litheads and good afternoon litheads this this week my name is dr ian young i am a doctor of hobbitry and i do not have a book to read Uh, i'll read one next week but i'm just here to, to hear about lady chatterley's lover just bring that ian charm i hope we get some tips on pronunciation and um, I'm also interested to hear about this book, which I've never read. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, <laughs>, <laughs> So, Nick, we should say it is an annual holiday here at You Don't Know Lit. At the beginning of the year, every year, we get the new public domain list that comes out. Because, of they course, it, they, they just sent it to us. That, yeah. We, and then right. we are in charge of breaking it book by book to the public. <laughs> so. We do a terrible job of it. It's uh... <laughs> Although Steamboat Mickey, uh, mm-hmm. which was not a book, so we can't really bring it. Mm-hmm. Um, that right. was all over. And it's it's going well. Uh, there's horror movies. <laughs> I imagine lots and lots of pornography, and um, just uh, you know, it's everywhere now. And Disney is grimacing and saying, "We support copyright law." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you you will soon see renditions of Lady Chatterley everywhere. In fact, actually, there is a recent um, Netflix movie. I think Lady Chatterley that, uh, by all accounts, is. <laughs> Pretty oh. good. Like like everything oh, on Netflix the other one. is pr- it's pretty good. The other big one is that Tigger is now in the public domain. So Oh, of course, because House Winnie on the Pooh, Pooh Corner. Winnie the Pooh became public domain or a couple of weeks ago a couple of couple, couple of years ago and spawned some really dreadful, like really poor quality Winnie the Pooh uh horror films. And now Tigger can get involved. Uh Joseph. Amazing. Yes. At long last, this book has reached public domain. I mm-hmm. think we're all very familiar with it. No need to tell us anything about it. I've never heard of this book. Oh, okay. that's interesting. We were just talking about how I've <laughs> how maybe well heard of this it. Book is. <laughs> yeah. So, so between this before before um, sometimes Ian and I accidentally talk about books uh, before Nick gets on the call, and we were actually we just talking can't about contain ourselves. We can't contain ourselves. And before we were, you got on the call, Nick, we were talking about how this is a book that has been. In our periphery, like in our public awareness, in our consciousness for a very, very long time. But we didn't really know anything about it except for like, you know, you have the file card knowledge of it. And like the back of my file card said, I think it's a scandalous book. Like scandal Uh was my word that was associated with it. Okay. Did you read it, Joe? Did I read the book <laughs> Lady Chatterley's Lover this week? Well, no, I just yeah. had the file card and it had said scandal. That's all you have. So that's, that's all, all I need. have. All right, Joe, what, what's it about? Tell, give, us right. the, give us the front back cover. Yeah, all right. Nick, Lady Chatterley's Lover was the last book that heavyweight D.H. Lawrence ever wrote. As soon as he finished it, he knew that no publishing house could ever take it, so he self-published, and he started selling it by subscription only. 
Nice. No publisher would take it, Nick, because this book is a sex book. It's a sexy, sexy, <laughs> sex book with intimate scenes, oh, lots of I'm foul language, up, discussions of female and male bodies, sometimes frank discussions, but often more poetic ones. Ooh. It's about other things too, class and industrialism and the duality of man and his mind and body, but it's mostly the sex that it's famous for. It's certainly what it got it banned in England, Australia, the United States, Japan, India, and pretty much everywhere else. Else it was published, written in 1928, now in the public domain and free for you to do what you would like with it. Lady Chatterley's Lover. This is smart because most all these new public domain stories are like, oh, now we can turn it into a sex thing. Lawrence, my man Lawrence, hundred years ago is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the jump on this. I'm gonna start with a sex thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe somebody will turn this into like a really sweet book or something like that. Take all the sex out. I think it might cease to be the thing it is. Okay, you double down on sex with adaptation. Is there's got to be some remnant of the original. Mm -mm. I feel like if this turned into just, you got to give the people what they want. Then more sex. Okay, so. We can get into the publishing history of this a little bit, but it's had kind of a a long and scattered publishing history. Like that first run was about 2,000 copies and he literally sold them to subscribers. So you would send him a letter and be like, hey, so uh, are you at this new book? You had to go on record. (laughs) Interesting. It's like... Uh, oh, that's awesome. It sounds like the word of the day, Joe, is salacious. Salacious. Absolutely it is. Uh, but over the years, like D.H. Lawrence, like he's not like a like he's he's not like a puddler of, or a peddler, I'm sorry. He, he may be a puddler. <laughs> he's not like a peddler of smut. Like he okay. is a like a novelist and a playwright and a poet. Like he was a literary, like kind of big deal. Um, I don't know, Joe. I'm reading these book names, <laughs> sons and lovers, women in love. Yeah. Sounds like he likes it sexy. I, I guess I, did, I didn't know this about him. This is, this is a guy who was, well, was well-respected and then yeah. decided, and now that I have Auburn's attention, <laughs> the virgin and the gypsy, Joe, I think this guy's a pervert. He's a, he's a little, He's a little blue. He's a little per- maybe. He's just a little perverted. Just a little perverted. Like you know, it like only spans his work. Weird cousin. <laughs> just he's a nice enough guy. Just a little perverted. It only spans his life work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All well, right. But, so, so what? What? Okay. Keep going. Oh no! I was just going to say this book had like kind of a long and strange publishing history. Yeah, like, nobody wanted it, huh? Well, and <laughs> because of his name, and because people knew that he had this last novel, and it was the last novel that he wrote before his de- before he died, and because oh. people knew it was kind of like a like a uh, is the word like ribald, like kind of a a, good, a salacious good word, good novel. Word. What does that mean? Ribald. I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, it, it means it, has it means raunchy. It means sexy. Yeah. It, it, it's ribald. Um, it's it's it a great so word fun. because it kind of it sounds. Yeah, it sounds like it what sounds fun, but it about. means something truly vile, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, this was published in edition and edition and edition after the year, but they're all like heavily added and heavily redacted. Like essentially. They took out the good bits, the good parts. Right? Like they took out wow. all the good parts. <laughs> So okay, Joe. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm I'm sure you didn't read that version, but do you have a sense? Like, would that be worth anything? Joe read the like, redacted version. <laughs> I don't care what the big deal is. I refuse so to bad. indulge no, in such would that, smuttery. Would that oh. be? Would that be like? Do you do you get the sense that that this novel would be worth anything? Okay, if you take if out the good bits, if you take out the yeah, sex parts right. of this book, what you end up with is a woman 
who, um, and I'll, I guess I should give a brief overview of the plot, but a woman yeah, that might be used. Um, who marries a lord, like who marries kind of a minor lord. She's set up in a pretty good life. He's like a nice, big, handsome guy. And then he goes to World War One and gets blown up in World War One, oh, but only, but only kind of blown up. Like yeah, he comes back as a oh, paraplegic. Yeah, there's some back leftover. His top half is still there. Oh, um, his no, top half is still there and not his bottom half. Well, no, oh, he, he's no. here comes an overt lesson. There, he's is still he all still, there. But his, he's a paraplegic. Have, I'll just ask oh. it, Joe. Does he still have his Franken beans? Uh, does his Todger still work? Is that yeah. that's what you want to know? Does his, his Todger still work? His uh, no, his Todger does n- not does work not work. I bet this is critical to the story. Mm, it's incredibly critical. But when he gets blown up, Lady Chatterley, she's like kind of fine with it. Like she um, has had some relationships before this Lord, and like the things she's loved about like men has never been the physical intimacy. It's always huh. been like the intellectual connection, the emotional connection, and like the physical intimacy was always there, and it was always pretty important to the guys. So she was like kind of fine with it. But when her husband gets blown up, she's kind of like, ah, it's eh. okay. Like we can still eh. live a happy life. Maybe there's more to life than just Todgers. <laughs> <laughs> Words to live by. Um, <laughs> what? Okay. And so, long Joe, story the, short, the, the essentially book? the rest of the novel is she slowly realizes that Todgers yeah. are important in her life. And yeah. um, she kind of falls for the gameskeeper um, on their on their grounds, which yeah, is a big deal a because he's, of course, not a lord. Right? Like he's, of course, like just uh, a lowly workman on the grounds so, that she starts hanging out I, with. As the kids say, <laughs> just can chilling. You us, can you tell us what a gamekeeper is? Does he is he like have a copy of Settlers of Catan that he has to like hand out when it's time yeah. to play Catan? So yeah, yeah, they, he's, he's in charge of the, the Catan pieces. Obviously, he's in charge of the unicorns in the Forbidden Forest. Obviously, uh-huh. and he teaches the uh, care of magical creatures classes. Oh, no, nice. the gameskeeper like they like manage the grounds. They like uh, watch mm-hmm. for poachers. They uh, keep they you know hunt for tofu. Hunt Joe, <laughs> Joe, tell us what the book is about. Please. I just, that, us, that's everything. Every, that that like, was I, everything. That can't be everything. You haven't introduced any characters. I don't oh, know. At well, all. The, the gameskeeper. The gameskeeper mm-hmm. is all I know. There's yep. a and D master in this book. <laughs> There's and there, three okay. characters that start you from need the to beginning. Know. Yep. Okay. There's three characters that you need to know in this book. There is Lady Chatterley, the titular character. There is Lord Chatterley, the man without a Todger, mm-hmm. right? And there is the gameskeeper. Wow, that's really you really did explain everything. Yeah, like there's other peripheral Joe, is, characters. Is the fourth character sex? <laughs> <laughs> or is it England? So I feel like what's most interesting about this book is the public reaction. Yeah, the public reaction. Um, so when this book was published, or well, it wasn't published, it was self-published. It was published in bits and pieces throughout basically On a blog. It was it was it was micro blogged out. Yeah. It was published in bits and pieces from 1928 until like 1960. 
And then in 1960, Penguin must have uh, had the rights to it. And they said, hey, we have this book. It's in bits and pieces. D.H. Lawrence is like, he feels relatively relevant because he's written kind of some like feminist classics, as you can mm. maybe see from like the, the titles that you were reading before. Mm -hmm. They said, we should scrape together the original copy and publish it. Right. And they did. They published it. The problem is, is that in 1959, England had passed an obscenity law, which basically uh -huh. said, you can't publish obscene things. Right. And when this book came out, it made kind of a splash. And it made an even bigger splash when England was like, absolutely not. We are putting this book on public trial. This is indecent. It, it is not fit Love for the it. people of England. And there was a famous trial it was reported on in the newspapers i've never heard of it joe well it was written well, about it, it was written about in the ago? new yorker um literary heroes of england were called up to either like defend or uh condemn this novel like give their literary opinion this on is the wild. merit of this novel and well spoiler alert this novel still exists um and then and it's not just england like this book followed a similar publishing path in almost every country that it was published in. Like it went on trial in America. It went on trial in Australia. It went on trial in Japan. Some of those cases, it won. The, the, the jury came back. The book the, won. Or, the author won. The book won. The book, the book the was allowed won. to be, to exist. Uh -huh. The book was allowed to exist. And in some of those cases, it lost. Like in Japan, it was brought on trial for obscenity. And the people were like, yeah, we think it's obscene. We can, you cannot publish that here. And it huh. went away in Japan. I've never heard a book about a book actually going to a court. Mm. Does this happen? <laughs> yeah, do, well, okay. So I think, I think, I think Does Joe, this you need still to kind of paint the picture a little bit. Does like, mm -hmm. does a guy sort of put on a costume and dress up as right. he dresses the book? as a like, book paper mache proxy it's very he has Who a hard represents time the book <laughs> um it's usually the pub the publisher right it's it's the publisher yeah like the state of england brought penguin uh random house to court because they're the ones who are responsible for it like it's not it's not lawrence's lawrence isn't going to be sued or 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 brought up on charges for writing something in his own house Mm -hmm, sure. In the privacy of his own home, uh, it's the problem is when it becomes public. I think this is a this is a, just a wonderful, wonderful piece of sort of literary culture that I guess doesn't happen anymore. Which is maybe I don't know if this is for the best. Books books being on trial. Uh, James Joyce's Ulysses was famous. That should be on this, trial for sure. On trial for being indecipherable. <laughs> no, 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 no. You guys are thinking of Finnegan's Wake. Finnegan's Wake is the hard one. <laughs> Ulysses is somewhat understandable. That Ulysses okay. is, is was the same thing. It was uh, of the same era, and people said, nope, this is obscene, and there are obscenity laws, and it should when be When is bad. the last time this happened? Oh, the last time we had obscenity. Oh, obscenity God, trial. To, to court. I'm Googling it across, right now. Across the world. This is it's an amazing question. Oh, across question. the world? So, I, think Joe, it's, I think it's still happening. Why no, Ian yeah. uh, Googles that, um, mm -hmm. what was the public response? Because I would imagine it has to be pretty positive people well, like yeah. this book it must be a genuinely good book for people to even care enough for it to go to yeah. a court this this book is coming out of course like as the world is uh as is waking up in the 60s right like this book uh -huh. comes out in the 60s like when we have sexual oh, revolution Joe, yeah. say it again a little yeah. slower <laughs> i don't i'm not going to do that <laughs> so so like this book made a 
a, a splash when it came out. People are like, wow, do you guys know that D.H. Lawrence wrote a sex book? <laughs> Check it out. I assume this is his last book. He was very well known at this time. He was very well known and long dead and he's at like, this I'm, time as well. Oh, long dead. Yeah, long so dead. Keep in mind, like he court. published this in 1928. <laughs> this trial, it kind of got pieced back together in 1960. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah of course, long dead. Yeah. I have updates for you we guys. We don't do history. Yeah. In 1973, there was a there was a Supreme Court ruling that sort of like laid the hammer down and says Miller versus California. <laughs> It said basically stop wasting our time. Speech that is obscene and thus lacking First Amendment protection. And those are those are that's key because like the two are the two are coupled together. This is why the Supreme Court hears these. It's a First Amendment question. Speech yeah. that is obscene and therefore lacking First Amendment protection must be without serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. It has to be offensive in some way. So. Um, Basically, if if you can argue that it has literary, artistic, political, or scientific scientific value, it's not obscene. That being said, there is a uh, law in Virginia still, and probably elsewhere, um, in the South, that allows that allows courts to temporarily block sale and distribution of books anywhere in Virginia if a court finds it to be probably obscene. And there are currently, as of 2022, this hasn't been changed. There are currently two books that are being. It's part of the whole what book are banning. What are they? Yeah, I, I should make you guess. The first one is called Gender Queer, a memoir. Oh, and the second one, yeah. second one, that one's not super surprising because um, that kind of fits. It's the uh, South. <laughs> if, it's, if it's sort of an ideological um, trend. The other one is, is just a random fantasy novel called A Court of Mist and Fury. We oh. have to. Oh, my God. Can we do so Virginia? Fun. Have we that done Virginia that? Week yet and bring these two books? Oh, what no. were they again, Ian? I'm going to write this down. Okay, this is a new genre of book that I'm familiar with. Books like A Court of Mist and Fury. Um, these are fairy sex books. Like, th- these are sex books with fairies, right? Like, oh, no. um, Do you know that? I don't know. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. This They are oh, pretty Joe's popular. very on... familiar with these books, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm reading a... Oh, dear. Okay. okay. I'm reading a, a synopsis, and I, I would like to back out of this week. <laughs> Nick, you asked about the literary merit of this book, and it does have some. If you take out the sex, is there still stuff there? So two separate questions. It's a book about class. It's a book about like um, the ruling class and the lower class. She, of course, is in love with the gameskeeper, who is not of the gentrified class, like who is not part of the gentry. And he like compliments in her in a way that her husband cannot, right? Like it's... <laughs> we see him as yeah he's he's like it it it's is it the very cliche versions of these stories that we've heard before where it's like you know he's a gentleman and like is he a flawed character the husband or is he just not giving her what she needs yeah so her husband isn't he's flawed in so much as like a lot of british noblemen were flawed at the time were like oh, they were so his flaws represent a larger trend in society there you Very go nice like he Ian. he is a stand in for the, for like that uh-huh. class of people and he's yeah, like okay. kind of arrogant and he doesn't really do anything and he feels very 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 um um, entitled to the coal mines that are on his land that all I mean, the local workers. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel entitled to the coal mines that are on my land. Wait, where does this take place? Uh, this takes place in the in the English like Midlands, oh, in the okay. English Midlands. Um, so, yeah, so he, a lot of mining he, there, I guess. So he's not a bad guy. He just kind of sucks, right? Like he just kind of yeah. sucks as a guy. The yeah. gamesman, on the other hand, he's like pretty rugged and oh, self-sufficient man, huh? and lives in a cabin on his own and hunts for his own man, food. Joe? He's a real man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. He, he fought in the war. He was kind oh, of man. a hero in the war, but he doesn't really talk about it. I bet you I'm didn't picture you know? Ron from Parks and Recreation. Yeah. <laughs> Would this be accurate? Yeah, he's, he's a masculine man. Yeah. He, absolutely. Like, he's a Is masculine man. Is he in touch man. with his feminine side? Uh, not particularly. <laughs> no. Interesting. This is this this sounds okay, and, and this might be my uh, hundred years later, ninety four, ninety four years later, ninety six years help. later. After this is this is published, this sounds kind of cliche. This sounds like, <laughs> well, yeah. But but, but Joe, do you, get the, do you get the sense? Do you get the sense that this is like kind of inaugurating some of those cliches or? Or setting them up so that they become cliches. I think. I think you know. Very often, this is actually a thing that's hard to um, communicate when we teach books in our classes. Sometimes, right? Where students right. read a book, students read Catcher in the Rye, and they go, right. "I don't care about this book because I've read so many books that yes. th- that are like this. You know, that are like this that have an angsty teen protagonist that right. you know are, are given in this voice." And we go, "Yeah." But this did it first. Like, yeah. you have to understand what a this big deal first. it was when this came out. This book, um, to talk about its literary merit, if you include the sexy bits now, it Which is like incredibly, like, sympathetic towards women. Like, it understands, like, the suffering that happens to women at the hands of men. It shows, oh. like... Oh, boy. What... I don't like the way you said that. I got to look up some one-star reviews. <laughs> It shows what Uh-oh. love feels like, like from the perspective of women, which is like a relatively big deal at the time. Like, oh, women have feelings as well, and they have oh, thoughts. No. What? Joe, I don't know. This does not have good reviews. Let's read some. Let's, yep, let's, let's read some. Let's read. Let's see what women have to say about this. Joe, do you get the sense <laughs> while while Nick is looking those up? Do you get the sense that uh, it sounds? I think I, I think I know the answer to this. It, sometimes men writing women. Uh, they think they know the way yeah. it works, and they don't. Uh, other times, it's like it's legitimately, um, it's legitimately insightful. It's it's thoughtful and it's considered, and it's not in- inaccurate. Do you get the? Does this feel like the former or the latter? Yeah, this is always one of those things that's so hard. It's so hard to know. I think a lot of times, but when I read as a man, um, is this accurate to women's experience? <laughs> but when I when I read reviews of this, I mean, there are there are reviews of people being like, I read Lady Chatterley when I was, you know. 15 years old or whatever, because I had a hippie mom who gave it to me. And like, it was one of the first books I'd ever read that like captured like the female point of view. Now there those same reviews say, I mean, there are parts of the female experience that are wildly inaccurate Uh (laughs) in here. But I think one of the things about DH Lawrence is at least he's trying, like at least he's giving voice to those feelings. At least he's given, which is a thing that wasn't particularly yeah. happening in the 1920s. Well, it's almost impossible okay. for us to have commentary on this. <laughs> that's, that's accurate to the time fair. of it yeah. being released. fair. Good point. Uh, Madeline writes, um, I honestly think if this book hadn't been banned for obscene, obscene content, no one would ever have read it. Uh, read it. Uh, she uh, basically, uh-huh. Read and read. We need to fix that, by the way. Yeah, it's got, um, something's got to happen. Yeah. And uh, she goes on to read, uh, basically, the book can be summed up like this. 
blah blah sex blah blah class blah sex sex blah blah class england's economy sex 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 scandal <laughs> argument argument scandal vacation time blah 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 sex argument scandal blah blah the end is that true joe and let's parse through all of those blahs, please. I would like for you guys to now start bringing uh, critiques on your books in this format, please. Just blah, blah. <laughs> yes. This is how oh, I hear you guys dear. talk about books. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Charlie Brown of literature. Like Charlie Brown, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, man. Nick, um, that does predict my Tiffany's a little bit. So if you have no other questions, it might be a good time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I, I, I mean, I, I got a question. I got Joe, one question. welcome to Tiffany. No, no, Ian, go ahead. Maybe, maybe this is maybe this is uh, actually an answer. Did you like this book? I liked this book. It was also like a fun book to talk about with um with with my wife. A lot of times, she hates the book that I bring because she accuses uh-huh. me of bringing boy books to this show uh-huh. every week. Right. I liked this book. My Tiffany's bit here, though, is that. The parts of this book that aren't sexy are often a little bit boring. It, oh, like it's, no. it's, they're often a little bit boring. They're about things that I don't particularly like care about that maybe aren't yeah. so relevant anymore. Um, this book strikes like me that. as probably it's, I don't know. I just think, I don't think art is meant to be looked back on. <laughs> like, I just think that really like, rarely the of this show. does like art. <laughs> age well Mm -hmm. in its entirety like certainly there's always parts that do Uh, but in its entirety it almost never does and like this is like a book that's like the longer we have the the more we'll be able the more holes we'll be able to pick how could we possibly relate to a book that came out a hundred years ago yeah how no i i I think it's a great point. I mean, and you've had the experience of like showing somebody an old movie that you love right And, and that could be like uh, that could be like um, Caddyshack, right? Where it's like you watch it with the, you know your niece for the first time. You're like, hey, you got to see this hilarious movie from the 80s. Oh, and you realize very quickly, not. oh, this is incredible. <laughs> Bad idea. What have I this done? This is somebody's favorite movie? Or even showing like, you know, even when you look at things like, um, you know, we're all familiar with the idea of like how movies, just like the conventions of, of like pacing. Like you watch 2001 A Space Odyssey. You yes. watch Citizen yes. Kane and you're like, this is obviously a masterpiece but holy smokes you could probably cut some of this okay well that's heresy (laughs) that's that's a they were probably like for them it's so hyper current it probably felt really powerful but as we get farther away we're like yes that is a thing that happened it's history and we know it anyway what else what else is there leadheads if you like gamekeeping uh or you like settlers of Catan, you can um, head on over to our website, which is www.tweenvogue, T-W-E-E-N-V-O-G-U-E.com. You know it. You know it. You know, you know it. it. You know you love it. You spend most of your waking hours there. Um, over on our website, you can listen to old episodes. You can request that we read books, or you can request themes for our episodes. The biggest thing you do to help us is telling bookish friends. So if you're talking with your colleague at lunch, and they're like, I've never read Lady Shadowloo's Lover, you can tell them well, as a matter of fact. Joe Holshue just did an episode about that. Guys, I that's great, Ian, but I actually don't think we need the litheads to tell anybody about this podcast. TikTok is working like a charm. Uh, <laughs> cool. We just need to be wrong more often. That That's the key to going viral on TikTok. Yeah. Say something wrong. 
this is like this is media content creation 101 you mm-hmm. say something confidently and wrongly everyone right. hates you for it you get those hate clicks and then before you know it you know you're andrew tate baby <laughs> All the let's go full Andrew Tate. We I'm gonna put the clips. I'm gonna start all of our clips this week with Joe talking about women's perspectives. <laughs> that would be fantastic. I wonder how long it is before I lose my job. <laughs> That's up to you, Joe. That's uh, up to you. All right. I have a bit of an unconventional quote this week. It is actually it, it's a write up. Of oh, thank God. the trial, it's a write-up of the <laughs> oh, trial nice. that Amazing. includes extensive quotes from the um, the prosecution. Okay, but oh, there's, there's oh, this, this is their best I argument. Okay, let's go, Joe. But, yeah, there's narration as well, and also litheads. Um, if you are listening to this with your children in the car, first of all, I don't know that that's super advisable. <laughs> Second of all, in general. I'm, I'm about to say some naughty words. The opening, the opening address given by the prosecution's Mervyn Griffith Jones is now famous. Quote, let me emphasize it on behalf of the prosecution, he began. Do not approach this matter in any priggish, high-minded, super-correct, mid-Victorian manner. Look at it as we, all of us, I hope, look at things today and then go back and requote the words of Mr. Justice Delvin. You will have to say, is this book to be tolerated or not? He went on to argue that the novel is likely to, quote, induce lustful thoughts in the minds of those who read it, and also that it, quote, sets upon a pedestal promiscuous and adulterous intercourse. It commends, and indeed it sets out to commend, sensuality almost as a virtue. It encourages and even advocates coarseness and vulgarity of thought and language. Griffith Jones then set this question to the court. Would you approve of your young sons, young daughters, because girls can read as well as boys, reading this book? Is it a book that you would have lying around your own house? Is it a book that you would even wish your wife or your servants to read? This would prove a misstep. It was evocative of a time of set values far too uh, too far past. He also complained of 13, quote, episodes of sexual intercourse in this book, 12 of them described in the greatest detail, leaving nothing to the imagination, but it wasn't only the sex scenes that he counted. The word fuck or fucking appears more than 30 times, cunt 14 times, balls 14 times, shit and arse six times apiece, cock four times, piss three times, and so on. He took particular issue with the repeated use of the word womb, and bowels, obviously not the habit of a great writer. As a witness to the trial put it to the New Yorker, over the course of the proceedings, practically every description of lovemaking in the book must have been read out loud by Mr. Griffith Jones with awful emphasis and in the air of imparting some reprehensible right that would be news to all of his listeners. And it was interesting how well the writing stood up to this treatment. Anyway, the defense called 35 witnesses, among them Rebecca West and E.M. Forrester, to testify the book's literary merit, and Lady Chatterley walked off scot-free. (laughs) 